All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I got to talk with Ian McKendry. And Ian is from northern Maine. He is a moose hunting fanatic. And I I mean, he can find sheds like you wouldn't believe. You're going to hear a lot more about that. I don't know why I geek out so much over sheds. I think they're the coolest thing. And there's something, yeah, I don't know. There's something cool about picking up a deer, moose, elk, antler, you name it. I'm all about it. And so I might have to plan a trip up to northern Maine and do some shed hunting, and I may be putting in for moose tags up there moving forward. That's probably going to have to happen. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had a ton of fun chatting with him, and it, it really was a good one. So here we go. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dean had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Ian McKendry. And Ian reached out on social media, and I immediately looked at his social media pictures. And what caught my eye first was all the moose sheds. I was like, holy cow, I've never seen someone collect this many moose sheds before. It's insane. I am the world's worst shed hunter, so I have a lot of questions for you. But welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Pretty excited about it. Yeah, it uh, it's going to be a good conversation, I can already tell. And um, why don't you start out by kind of introducing yourself, let listeners know who you are, kind of what you're about, and all that. Well, my name is Ian McKendry. I'm a pretty average 23-year-old from northern Maine. I got lucky I'm a police officer right now, but uh, the world has many ways in which it works. So eyeballing different things in the future, um, but I get into the woods as many times a week as I can, um, whether it be waterfowl, deer. Looking for antlers has definitely taken over a big part of my life, and uh, I'm not mad about it at all. <laughs> Spent a lot of time this spring looking for them. Way too many miles to count. Um, somewhere up around 180. But it, it uh, worked out pretty good. Found 63 sheds this spring. Not all were brown, but we did get a couple that were pretty nice. Um, film them all for YouTube channel with a uh, very mediocre following. But it's uh, it's something that I love doing. Uh, videos are fun to look back at. Oh, Yeah. That's that's something that I want to get into is YouTube. I'm terrible about it, but I'm like, man, if I just uploaded all my Zoom meetings on YouTube for the calls, like I might be able to, I mean, I'd have like 20 or 30 already. Um, but the hunting side of it is definitely what I'd rather be sharing. Definitely. I was going to mention that to you where it's, it's really fun listening to the podcast and seeing the progress that, they all changed going through them, but video podcasts and just upload the same thing to YouTube. Um, it'd be pretty cool. I definitely think you'd get a good number of views just from that platform as well. Oh yeah. You'd see me like coughing and sneezing and like muting stuff out, looking all around like kids running in the room. It'd be, it'd be kind of fun. Um, yeah. what it, so I've got a question with, with these moose sheds, what do you do with all of them? Um, so usually I've got a pile right next to me actually, where, um, three of them, three or four of them are drilled out. They got holes in them so I can make chandeliers. So there's, there's one in my living room here that my mother made. Um, we've got one at our, the house I grew up in where it's, it's a big chandelier. The antlers are at least 18 pounds a piece. It's a, it's one of the bigger ones I've ever seen. Dang. Definitely some world-class moose in that chandelier but i've got five chandeliers to make um i've got some that are kind of cubed up for dog shoes but in that same sentence i don't really want to do the dog chew thing um you got to cut up brown antlers for that i don't like doing that no way. um i did this a couple weeks ago it's a belt oh, buckle jeez that is sick uh inlaid with copper um uh, the first one I did, so it worked out pretty well doing it. Um, shameless plug, I'm going to give one away 
at the end of deer season this year on my YouTube. Heck yeah. But they're uh they're definitely pretty fun to make. It's uh just a little Dremel work. Cut a line into it, inlay a logo if you want one. They're pretty fun. Um, definitely draws a lot of attention to your waistline. Oh, <laughs> you feel like people are checking you out all the time. It certainly seems like it. I was walking at Walmart the other day, and the kids are like double taking at my belt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know what I'm wearing. Cool. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I, I'd i be very distracted. I mean, I'm sure you get used to it after a little bit, but people just like looking down at your crotch all the time. It'd be like, Whoa, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, I had a girl in the local supermarket. She kind of got my attention. I swear, I'm not looking at your waist, but what is that made out of? <laughs> That's just 100% American muscle. That's what it is. <laughs> this is what I made. Well, I think I officially have a name for this podcast now. So uh, I think the title is going to be 100% <laughs> American muscle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> I'm a string bean from northern Maine. I get cold at 40 degrees. That's funny. Um, so how did you how did you get into shed hunting, or I guess hunting in the outdoors in general? Um, hunting in general was uh, it was pretty quick going on. We got a home video of me at like four or five years old, yelling about how I'm going to shoot a moose someday. Nice. And uh, my uncle Eric got me into it pretty young i uh, got lucky and shot a couple of deer pretty early like 11 13 somewhere in there and at 11 years old i uh put in for a moose permit in maine and got lucky drawing it on my first time and uh ended up shooting a bull on like the i think fourth day shot it at 40 yards and uh that kind of doomed me for the rest of my life i am absolutely yeah. hooked to it um i've only been on like three or four moose hunts um, not all, I've only had one tag myself, but there is really nothing like seeing a 800 pound animal walking through the woods. Yeah. Like you've elk hunted. They don't communicate the same way as elk, at least as far as I can tell. I haven't elk hunted yet, but there's nothing like it. They're so cool. Yeah. But, um, shed hunting came out of, uh, COVID really. I got out of college and went home. And uh, I was working on my computer, and it was just driving me nuts sitting inside all day. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. The first day I went out, I found an antler. And then the next day I found one and just kept finding antlers. Last year, I only found 18. Only and 18. Then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I say that. But I I think I found like six in a day last year, and it like just blew my mind. It's like, why can't I do that every day? Like where are the, the moves hanging out so that I can do this more consistently. And that's what we really figured out this year. My buddy Dawson and I had a couple trips up North. Um, I had a guy drive out from Michigan to go shed hunt with me, drove 20 hours and found 15 antlers with me. Oh my it was gosh. Amazing. Did you let yeah, him take some home? Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Dennis took all of his antlers home. Um, on the very last day, we both found one at the same time and it ended up being a brown set. So I, I gave him the other side to that set. It's like, you need a set for the house. Like, it's all you. Jeez. I, I would be a hundred percent hooked if I found oh. one paddle ever. I mean, like that's all it would take. I look for sheds so much and I don't ever find any. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah and that that was one at the end of a day and it's all chewed up and yeah i would that's like 10 pounds maybe i would lose my mind i would probably hire someone to like engrave my logo in that thing and just put it up on the wall that would be the coolest thing ever but yeah there's something about holding like antlers in your hands i don't know what it is and people talk about gold, how like if you hold gold, it's almost got like this feeling or this energy, which I think is kind of weird. But like that's me with antlers, like just holding on to a set of antlers is there's something about it. It's like electrifying. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Like if anybody watches my videos, every single antler I pick up, 
if it's fresh, I will definitely smell the base. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just something I do and I'm going to keep doing it. It's there's some little smell with it where guys will train dogs for antlers, but I've gotten into spots and been like, it's not going to be long now. I can smell one in here. Yeah. There's one nearby. It's got to be. That's so cool. Uh, you need to make some shirts of you just like smell like, like cradling yeah. and just like sniffing it like Biden does girl's hair. Uh, <laughs> just like, just a nice little inhale waft of the antler. Um, that'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shed Crazy on YouTube. He did a, I don't know if he did a shirt. I think it was a burr sniffer. Nice. Or, uh, elk antlers. That was pretty fun. I almost had to get one. I think I'm going to, but. I should make one of the moose ones. I was going to try and do hats first for uh, deer season, do some orange hats, but yep. kind of late now. It's going to deer season starts, I think, November 2nd for general season up here. Oh, okay. But we've got expanded archery in some lower zones right now. You got, you need to check it out. I'll, uh, I'll have to send you some information off air, um, but there's a company that we discovered that you can – um, have hats made, shirts made, stickers, all of that, and they'll drop ship it. So you never have to get it in. Um, they take a percentage, but you never have to touch it. You don't have to do the postage. Like they order it and it goes straight out uh, from them to the end customer. That might be worth it. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get into hats and shirts here soon. I've had a couple shirt designs, um, but the only thing I've got out right now is stickers, which they're all right, but they go on everything. Yeah, it's true. Um, so what, like you've been on your own personal moose hunt and then you've been on a couple others. How did those go? Uh, they went pretty good. I was on my, it's kind of a, a split tag. My uncle got drawn and then he kind of signed it over to his son eric um eric's the guy that really instilled it into me what hunting was and and brought me out that way um that hunt i want to say that bull went like 560 572 maybe but it was incredible i was like eight years old hyped up on mountain dew for a week (laughs) watching moves run around the woods it was the best thing and then I think maybe 16, 15 or 16 years old, I went on a hunt with um, Eric's father-in-law. That was wild. It, I think he might have been like 70-something at the time we went. We hiked him back into a cut, and we're looking up in. We can hear a big bull grunting and raking leaves off trees. All right, so there's one in there. So they walk up and I stay back glassing, looking for him to come out. And I can see him pick up the gun. No, no. I can see the big one like poking his nose out. Bang, the gun goes off and he's all jacked up. And he shot like a, say, 450 pound, uh, four or six point. Great moose. um, Perfect moose for anybody up here but like a 55 or 60 inch bull went running up the hill. Oh. You could just hear the power rake it against the alders. We're just, Oh no. Oh my gosh. This guy walks up to a 400 pound moose and goes, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of it. So it's <laughs> kind of standing around the moose going, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you shot this one then. Cause yeah. it would have been a project with a 850 back here. Yeah. No kidding. That's, man, that's so cool. I guess Maine is not a place that I would think about for moose. And then as soon as I started seeing your YouTube videos and, like, you had reached out, I'm like, dang, they have some serious moose. And I've heard about studies and stuff um, that they do up in that part of the country. But it's a different subspecies there, right? Um, I think it would still be, like, Canadian moose. Oh, okay. Um, what it would be i believe um just this far over you get up towards like newfoundland stuff they definitely get smaller okay i don't know if it's nutritional stuff or whatnot but i try and say it to like every 
hunter that I reach out to out of States, it's like $15 to put in for your lottery tag here. You put in, I don't know what percentage it is that uh, non-residents get drawn for, but there are some quality opportunities. Um, Northern zones are definitely getting more pressured as people find out there's more moose up there. Yeah. Generally, you go south, there's not as many. But I think with a single scouting trip and then going for your week of moose hunting, you could really come out with a, a, a quality moose. Um, it just comes down to how much time you want to put into it. Yeah. Well, man, I might have to uh, start putting in for that. I'll, I'll just edit that part of the podcast out where you just shared how much it is and how many moose there are. Um, so that my 700 yeah. listeners don't, don't catch wind of it. But, uh, I think I've been looking at different opportunities cause I'm like a moose hunt is way up on my bucket list. Like number one is a, like an Alaskan or Yukon moose with my bow. That is my dream hunt Absolutely. for sure. But I, I had the pleasure of going on a moose hunt in Colorado, um, with a buddy of mine and it's the Shiris moose. And we went scouting that summer and it was unreal. And I spent the entire hunt, well, the entire scouting trip and hunt, like just looking for sheds. Cause I'm like, I want to find this monster moose paddle. And it was the wrong time of year, both times. But I'm like, we saw some moose that were just, I mean, huge. And in the course of, I want to say the course of three days, we saw like 23 moose. And yeah, we just, we got in there, found them and I really want to go back and find some paddles because I doubt I'll ever get drawn for a non-resident Colorado moose tag, but I'll probably start putting in for Maine and now I've got a connection. So I'll just, I'll come out, I'll come out shed hunting with you to find the good spots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Come out in the spring and we can uh, do a scouting shed mission. Um, yeah, I'm right on the line of, uh, zone seven and eight in the Western corner, but growing up in Jackman, um, I'm sure some of the listeners have heard that before, just kind of the whitetail capital of new England, just some giant bucks coming out of there in terms of weight. It's not really many that come out of Maine in inches wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, a guy a couple of years ago did shoot a 200 inch buck tracking, but it's unheard of shooting like a 150. Yeah. So inches doesn't really play a huge game up here. If you see a buck that if you can step a full stride and he's marking the same track, he's 200 pounds. That's, that's the deer you go after. Is but, that, is that what you do? You do tracking when yeah. you go deer hunting? Yeah. Gosh, yeah, I just need to come up and spend um, like a whole year up there with you. Because all of the stuff that Maine, you do, I'm so curious about. Yeah, I definitely try and bow hunt um, as much as I can. I got a triax that I bought from a college roommate and set myself up with saddle and tree stands and stuff. I try and get down to the southern zones, but um, it's it's so cool being on a track. There's nothing like it. Kind of, kind of outsmart an animal. I didn't realize I had my phone volume up. It's supposed to be on Do Not Disturb. Um, yeah, like getting on tracks and then following tracks. Yeah. I, I got my first taste of that the other day when I was tracking a deer that I already shot, but it was still alive. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I apologize. I need to. A busy man. It's the same person. Oh, you know what? He's hunting out at the property, and I've got a strange feeling that he is calling with good news. Um, so I'll have to call him back <laughs> right when we're yeah. off. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think tracking would be so much fun. And... Like to think that there's a deer that you're actually like walking, not necessarily walking down because they're probably bedded or you're hoping that they're bedded um, when you get up to them. But like to just follow a live animal print, it's like what you see in Africa all the time, you know, 
they're like, all right, here's, here's yeah. the tracks. We're going to go after it. That's one of the hardest things to do up here is like, we don't try and track during bear ground. Usually there's certain guys that will, I'll follow a track for 300 yards on bear ground and just, now oh, this ain't worth it. Yeah. I can move faster. I can travel more ground, just walk around. But those days when you get four to six inches of snow, I'm up at three in the morning driving back roads. And if I cut a track and it's the one I want, put the truck as far over as I can get it, throw my stuff on and walk until I know it's fresh. I've only shot one deer on a track and it was everything I thought it'd be. So I got the the right hunting rifle for it. I just got another one, uh, a 30-30 Winchester that pretty excited to try and shoot one with that this fall. <clears throat> yeah. What, what kind of terrain are you hunting like big Northwoods? Or where are you hunting when you're when you're cutting tracks and I guess when you're moose hunting? Yeah, it's kind of a, a mix of both. Um, like I said, I'm up in the western corner, so it's pretty easy to get into big woods right from here. Um, so I can go up and get onto some logging roads that have exponential mileage that I can just get on and start walking. It'd be two or three miles before I hit another road. And if you get in that wrong direction it could be 10 it could be 12 dang but you go up and in the north main woods like i don't know zone four zone five um some of those up there you're walking for a long time you better have your wits about you when you step out of off of that road because it it is very unforgiving um you get into certain parts though you get farther south it's pretty flat okay um but up where i am i'm in the the western main mountains so you have um, elevations up to like 2,500, 27, and then it could drop down to 1,000 pretty easily. So okay. I, I tend to just kind of skirt the edges of those, and then the smaller ridges near 1,000 and 1,700 or so start working up onto those. Um, I have, I want to say like five or six trail cameras out right now. One of the trail cameras is at like 2,500, 2,300 feet. I had, I think, three or four cow moose, um, a black bear, like two or three different times, and then a four-pointer and a nice eight-pointer. Nice. That he'll push 180, 190. Dang. Yeah. That's so cool. I uh, I just like hearing about different types of hunting. Like that is not – I, I pretended to do that, right? Like when I was, when I was a kid, I'd go out, I'd be sitting in the stand with my dad or with my uncle and I'm like, I'm going to go find the deer, you know? And I couldn't even hunt. I didn't have a gun, but I would just walk and I'd find deer tracks and I'm like, I'm just going to follow these deer tracks. And I was so loud and obnoxious at that point. Like they heard me coming from a half mile away. I never saw them, but even just like catching a glimpse of a deer on a hillside, 200 yards away, it was so exciting but do you what do you what do you look for i guess as you're tracking to tell you like now i have to really slow down and be aware if that deer is maybe close i like to think i know what i'm looking for um like i said i've only shot one deer that way and just kind of keeping your wits about you when you think that track is getting fresh um is the bottom of it freezing up is it is it starting to go around a, a ridge or something that you could cut them off on the other side? Um, I listen to a lot of the Big Woods Bucks podcast. Um, Joe Cruzy, Hal Blood. Um, if you know their names, you know that Hal Blood is one of the best trackers that has done it up in northern Maine. Um, my uncle's been on that podcast a couple of times talking about tracking deer and just getting any form of knowledge I can from them it's all going to feed into the same idea that I can try and shoot more deer on a track, but just keeping your wits about you when you think it's getting fresh and uh, keep scanning in front of you. Don't you're not walking with your head in your track the whole time. Yep. Um, that's how I caught that one is just scanning out in front of me. He happened to be kind of feeding down and he looked up at me kind of frontal. Dang. What, what can you expect? I mean, you said you've, you've killed one deer that way. Um, 
a good tracker. These guys killing a deer every year by doing that method, multiple deer a year. Um, so Maine's general season, you're allowed one buck. Okay. Um, so there's guys out there. They'll, they'll wait. Um, I know guys definitely will go out in the first week of November, but when there's snow, they're out there and they may pass up small deer. They they'll pass up that six pointer. That's 150 pounds or something. And they'll wait for that big track and they'll get on it and they'll just keep following it. And a lot of these guys are consistent. They're consistent with 200 plus pound deer to the point that they're not, they're not sending in their paperwork to get the, the big buck patch anymore. They have too many of them. That's so crazy. I mean, yeah, it's really something. It, do you think um, because the landscape is so vast out there, is that why people started doing the whole tracking method versus sitting in a deer stand? I would like to think that's that's the reasoning. Um, I think it just was easier. Um, it's not easy by any means at all, but trying to sit in a tree stand up here, you'd be lucky some days if it goes above 25 degrees. Yeah. It's cold. Like when I shot that deer, it was like negative 10 and blowing 20 to 25 miles an hour. <laughs> it was a nasty day. So you have to move and, just to stay warm. Yeah. Yeah. Just about, I was freezing trying to gut that deer in the woods. Oh man. But there, I don't know. Sitting in a stand up here is pretty difficult, but if you get in the right spot, like you said, with the expansive woods we have up here, who knows to saying how far a, a mature deer is going to be really traveling. Like yeah. I'd love to see what a, a track looks like from like March into their summering zones and into the fall and then where they shed their antlers. It's got to be pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to see the study. Do you, um, like when you're tracking a deer, do you map that out on Onyx or like start tracking on your phone? Absolutely. So that you can know exactly like where it's going, why it's going there? Absolutely. Um, I got Onyx, uh, would have been the start of this spring. I had used Gaia quite a bit, um, had a lot of maps on there, but the saving maps feature of onyx was the big thing to me so i had gotten lost pretty easily with gaia like just start walking and then it catches itself and spins you around oh but the onyx definitely paid off big time up north i just bought the uh elite subscription to it to i'm gonna try and do it um i put in for my days off in november and december i'm gonna try and hunt vermont and new hampshire as well oh cool yeah but definitely putting that track down so you can see where that buck's moving and at least where you've been, especially shed hunting too, that you have to have a track on. Oh yeah. Um, what, what are the odds of you drawing another moose tag? Do you think like, is it, it's not a once in a lifetime there, but like, do you think it's 10, 15 years in between each real it could chance? Be. It could be. So they changed it so you can have the preference point kind of thing. Okay. So the more points, the the more chances you have in, or the higher percentage you are to be drawn. Um, when you get a tag, you have to wait like three years to put in for another one. Okay. I've met people where they've pulled three tags. They're just real lucky. Um, but I've also, my Uncle Mike, he, he waited 27 years got a tag and then couldn't find a moose. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I don't know what I'd do at that point. That's, that would be devastating. Yeah. Yep. But you wait that long. You you do want to get that, that moose that represents all those years of Mm -hmm. waiting, but I don't know. Um, I definitely like to think it's in the next five to 10, um, Hopefully I'm still pretty hyped up about the filming thing and doing that, but I've pretty much cemented it for myself that if I do get another permit, it's, it's with a bow. Yep. Uh, Call moose up here. It's still pretty thick um, early October. So you can, you can hide pretty easily in uh, the vegetation around here. I, 
yeah, I just can't imagine being tucked behind a tree knowing that that size animal is walking in on you. I'm hoping at some point to draw draw a tag for somewhere. Um, are you putting in for moose hunts anywhere else, or are you just kind of focusing your efforts in Maine at this point? I have only applied for, for tags in Maine. Um, I remember one podcast, a kid mentioned the Floridia Mountains in New Mexico for Ibex. When I have the funds to do it, I'm, I'm putting that tag in for that. Oh, that yeah. looked amazing. I saw those mountains one time, and I got to go back. <laughs> Pretty cool looking. There are so many hunts. Like I hear people, and I've known people that have gone to Africa to hunt, and I'm like, that would be amazing. But there are so many things that I want to hunt here. Yeah. Like I don't even – I don't have time to go to Africa because there's so many things that I still want to get done here in the States. I mean, like to think about the Sika deer out in Maryland. Um, yeah, Ibex down in, in New Mexico. Like you've got elk and mule deer and black-tailed deer and white-tailed deer and mountain lions, bears, wolves. I mean, there's just so much, and I just can't justify going – well – I, it's not even like I have the option, right? <laughs> like, I could say yeah. I want to go to Africa all day long, but getting yeah. there is a different story. But yeah, I yep. just, I look at North America and what it has to offer, and I'm like, I'm totally content if this is the only uh, con- continent I ever hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually, pretty soon here, my buddy's leaving from Pennsylvania to go up to Newfoundland for his uh, caribou black bear hunt. Oh man. And I was supposed to go with him to film the whole thing, but it just, it didn't work out with customs and whatnot and trying and customs and the guide trying to have a, a second person come through. Yeah. Like, I already got poked with a shot for work wise being around so many people. Yeah. But it just didn't work out this time. So I'm going to have to catch Bummer. him in Virginia for a deer hunt or go out West or something, but. All right, guys, if you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called Anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before, and it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast, and so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through, and you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm trying to learn more about the tags out West um, and just find something to uh to apply i think right now it's going to be wyoming elk i've got a buddy out in jackson hole he shot like a i want to say 360 bull and rifle Jeez. and it walked into like 40 yards i think he said and just out of nowhere it was there that's so it, cool an absolute giant yeah you can get non-resident tags a lot of places like now i'm in missouri but i go out to colorado to hunt and you can just buy an over-the-counter tag like when you show up in Colorado. And wow. it's not cheap. I mean, I think we're paying six fifty for an elk tag. Uh, my mule deer tag, I did have to draw that. That was like three fifty, maybe 400 But there's opportunities, and I tell people all the time, like, just give up, give up coffee every now and then, you know, instead of stopping and buying it or fast food, like pack a lunch instead of, doing fast food one day a week and over the course of the year you'll have enough money to go and do an out-of-state hunt like that yeah i'm i had to give up the uh the energy drinks being on night shift it's uh definitely did a number on me oh yeah came off them it 
it definitely saves a lot of money. <laughs> that and just got to cut down on trips to the gas station. Yep. Like come eight o'clock, everything shuts down around here. So pretty much going on. I did a, I did a ride along one time with a buddy of mine and it was the funnest thing I think I've ever done. Like he, he works the late shift in the worst beat in town and the stuff that we dealt with, like he came flying up in the cruiser. I was grabbing like energy drinks and snacks for the night. Cause I knew we'd be up all night and he comes flying up in the cruiser as I'm getting stuff out of my car. He's like, get in right now. And we go flying to Walmart and there's this lady beating a man with a tire iron inside of the cab of a truck. And it turns out it's because he forgot the receipt for what they were returning. And I'm like, this is your job. This is what you get to do every day. This is the funniest thing ever. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's not all that. He's like, then you have to fill out lots of paperwork and do this and that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to deal with that. But the ride along is fun. Yeah, there is nothing like Code 3 lights and sirens. It is wild. Yeah, And I think that it's definitely gotten to me, too, of, a lot of folks where unfortunately that that'll get them killed of just going too fast. There's no point in arriving or you can't arrive if you've been off the road, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Slowing down on the way to an accident or something. But up here we have a pretty small jurisdiction. Um, I don't think it's like 30 miles maybe. So just patrolling the roads um, in the winter time, I've got uh, Sugarloaf USA right up here pretty big ski mountain i think it's the biggest one east of the rockies so it, it's definitely a, a busy place come winter um a lot of people um really great bars around here but um in the same term people do get rowdy but it's nothing we can't handle yeah 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 police work is a different level uh it's needed and i mean i'm thankful for Guys like you who do it. My wife wants to, she she still talks about becoming a police officer. And I'm like, I know that you could do it. Like, she has the right temperament. But she's also like 110 pounds soaking wet. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, man. Being, life as a cop has gotten a lot crazier over the past five years, you know. Yeah, I got into it like a, a year ago. Um so November will be a year in uniform. And so in Maine, I'm only cleared as a, a green pin. So I'm cleared for reserve hours working full time um, because of staffing in the department, whatnot. Um, but this far north, it's, it's something because being so rural, it could be 15 minutes for an SO unit to be helping me. And I'm the only one on at night shift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like you said, I'm 160 pounds soaking wet. And when I walk into the bar and 250 pound Billy looks at me and says, you're not kicking me out of here. Yeah. I better hope the locals like me. Yeah, for real. Yeah. That's but crazy. Thankfully, I haven't had any of those kind of situations yet. Um, just, it's kind of mediocre stuff, really. Um, in general, there has been some situations where your heart gets going and you do have to, to put on a different demeanor, but unlocks that kind of thing. It's pretty typical up here for an nice. everyday. Yeah. It's, it's a great place in general. Well, great place to be. and you get to, I mean, you get to interact with a ton of people. It'd be great if you could like give them your card, like, Hey, let me know if you ever see any moose or if you've yeah. been seen a big white tail, <laughs> I'll, yep. I'll catch you break on the next speeding ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is some big deer up here one got hit a couple of years ago i want to say it was like 27 points or something it Jeez. was nuts it made the news like it was in the paper everybody knew about it and so for a couple of years there it was pretty packed up here hunting wise um but it's uh it's pretty good i mean right out of my door i can be at my my tree stand in like 10 minutes 15 nice. minutes. I've got cameras just up the road. Um, there's a big river right across the street from me. That's great in the summertime to go swim and do floats on that kind of thing. But 
I've got a snowmobile here too. I can 25 minutes. I can be into some amazing country yeah. or five minutes. I can be right up to where I deer hunt. It's, it's pretty great. It's a lot of opportunities. Um, I'm just trying to check them all off the list for real. Do you, do you guys get a ton of snow up there? I mean, you guys are way up north and you're on the East coast. So I imagine you guys get pretty decent snowfall. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Last year was pretty rough. Um, like I was, I picked up, uh, Browns from that spring, um, previous December 4th with no snow. Um, it snowed a bit in between there and Christmas and then Christmas it rained all day. Jeez. So it, it just about killed all the snow. Um, the ski mountain was hurting pretty bad then, but it, uh, it turned out it was all right. Um, come spring, it was pretty good skiing, but we do get some snowstorms where it's, it's hectic, especially being in what I'm doing, like five, six cars off the road in an hour and a half coming to work. Isn't like unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I miss places where we get snow. I mean, growing up in Wisconsin, we had snow pretty consistently, Missouri, we get almost no usable snow. Like the amount of times that we've been able to even take the kids sledding. Like you go sledding and it's like snow, grass, snow, grass, snow all the way down the hill. And you almost have to make your own sledding trail. But Sounds like spring skiing around here. Yeah. I miss, I miss real winter. I'd like to say that I could live without it, but I don't know if I can. Um, as miserable as it is shoveling off the roof in February, it's so nice to just have a little brisk um, walking out of your front door. Yep. Gets even more cozy inside a good cabin. Um, ice fishing is always fun. Oh, yeah. Just getting layered up. and have, uh, I mean, yeah. just like knowing, all right, I need to wear this. This is going to keep my core warm. This is going to keep the wind off. This is going to insulate. Like, just trying to figure all that out. And then to be able to go out and, like, I don't know. There's something about being in the coldest weather you can imagine, but bundled up the proper way, and you just don't feel it. There's there's different things to being, being outside than being comfortable in it. And yep. up here, you definitely learn to be comfortable quick. It is, like I said, it's unforgiving. It it can turn fast. If you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. I know a lot of people say that for where they live, but up here, it happens. It yeah. really does. A cloud could come over that mountain any second. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be a different level, being that far north and in mountains and close to the coast. I mean, because you guys, what are you, a couple hours or an hour? Ooh, um. From the coast, I'm probably like two and a half, three. Okay. Um, so I'm, I want to say 35 miles from the Canadian border. I'm way oh, up nice. there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And just about the same where I grew up. So I just dropped down a little ways for work and coming out of college. Nice. Maine's pretty good in, in the ways that you can, you can bounce south for a day trip pretty easily. Um, definitely trying to do that this fall for ducks or deer or whatnot it's it's pretty easy but the highways are definitely in a harder spot for us rural folk to to get to yeah what uh what kind of waterfowl are you hunting for up there um, um like what species of ducks do you do you mainly go after or are there any that maybe i wouldn't be familiar with here in the center of the country um i don't know we have uh a bit of a population of teal that come through saw a good number last year. Um, I got a spot up where I grew up where we saw, um, I think golden eye teal divers couple, I think. Um, but I haven't seen like spoonbill or, um, gadwall, any of those kind of widgeon things. I haven't seen those birds out here. I mean, I haven't been duck hunting long enough to know shit from applesauce, apparently, in the woods. But a lot of Canadians, um, the geese definitely come through pretty heavily. We've got that early season where we can take six a day. Yep. So it's 
it's pretty good. I don't have the number of decoys that I'd like to. I think we can all all say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm mapping out some spots to to go duck hunt on Monday for the opener in the north zone. But a dozen decoys, I'm gonna try and rig up like four of them on a string for motion. So I don't have a mojo or any of the, the water spitters, but um trying to get mallards. Um a lot of wood ducks though. Um nice some incredible colors but i'm just never lucky enough to hit them yeah yeah we uh it's funny you say like you don't have spoonbill and gadwall um because those are like the ducks that people are like oh ah, they're just they're gadwall they're spoonbill down here they're gadwall are the dumbest birds i think i've ever hunted (laughs) i have been i have been out picking up a dead duck and my buddies are like, don't move. And I look and there's like a gadwall five feet above my head back flapping. And we always joke about it because we'll shoot at gadwall and everyone's like, oh, those are too high. Or, man, I can't believe we didn't hit them. And I'm like, just call. They'll come right back. And they do probably half the time. You'll you'll shoot like three out of a group of six and you'll just hit a couple quacks again. And the other three come right back and circle and try to finish. They're just, they're so dumb. I, I've i learned to love and hate gadwalls. Because they still taste great. They're still fun to shoot. But it's like, we're always like, man, I just wish we had more mallards or more pintail or canvas back. Or like all of these different things we don't see. But people say that all over the place. Like, I wish we had more wood ducks here. I wish I could shoot like a limit of greenheads, or I mean of of Drake wood ducks every every day. And yeah. then I talk to people in Pennsylvania, and they're like, "Dude, I'm so sick of wood ducks." <laughs> yeah, I've I've only shot, um, let's see, a hen wood duck. Um, I got one Drake mallard, um, and then just a handful of um, McGansers. Of course, they're everywhere up here. Yeah. They, Tastes like junk unless you wrap them in bacon, as far as I'm concerned. But stuff them with bacon bits and wrap them in bacon and fry them in bacon oil. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta have them fried in bacon grease. Yep, they are so gross. (laughs) There's there's some birds that are like that. I just I can't get over it. But I've actually heard. Do you guys have coot up there? I couldn't tell you. I haven't been in the water enough oh, okay. i think there might be they're they're I like this they're... little black duck with like greenish yellowish like neon feet and they'll be there in the thousands and they're really stupid they like don't they're like a brain dead duck i mean they will be in the water like five feet in front of you with you standing up moving and they just don't care but most people don't shoot them and i've heard from several people now that they actually taste really good, but we just, we never even shoot them. We let them go. Didn't meat eater do one of the, uh, what is it? Pardon my plate on uh coop. Oh, did I they? Think, uh, I I'll... think they did. I'm going to have to check that out. I was listening to one of their podcasts the other day and, and Steve mentioned it. I don't know if I could do that. They, I want to say it was coyote coot and there was another C. Um, can't pin it, but, yeah, I gotta figure out more of the recipe thing. I I love cooking um, yeah. everything. Yeah, I've got a couple geese from the other day uh, marinating for jerky right now. Nice. Yep that that'll be pretty fun trying to dehydrate them before we get into the duck blind. Oh yeah, I uh, I'm terrible with cooking. My wife does all the cooking, and when she asks me to help, I'm just like, oh gosh. I like to know what I'm doing. Like if I don't know what I'm doing or if I'm not good at it, odds are I'm not going to enjoy doing it. Like I like to I like to be the best at what I do. I'm so competitive and I'm like if I'm like I don't sing cuz I'm terrible at singing and my wife's like just sing, who cares? I'm like no, not going to happen. I will never sing in front of people. And it's the same thing with cooking. I'm so clueless and I just need to learn it and I'll probably enjoy it. But every time I go in the kitchen, I'm like all right, I'm just going to make another grilled cheese sandwich because that's about all I know how to do. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely did a lot of it 
um, in high school. And then in college, you either learn to cook or you're eating ramen. So my mother definitely put it into me that good food comes from making it yourself and that kind of thing. But here I got a Traeger out back and smoking deer is amazing. There's nothing like it. That roasted asparagus, um, roasted potatoes. It's all so good, but coming home to a good cooked meal like that or throwing a roast in the crock pot, it, it works itself out at the end of the day. You come home to a hot meal. It yep. pays off. I, then, uh, I love smoking meat. That's the one thing I know how to do. And me and my buddies have been doing it for years. We'll do like a whole pig typically around the 4th of July or at least half of a pig. Um, and they just got me into it. I use the same recipe no matter what. Like every year, I don't change it up because I know it works and I know it's amazing. But um, then the Traegers came out and like other types of uh, smart um, smokers. And it took all the fun away from it. I'm like, my favorite <laughs> thing is going and like peeking in, slicing off a piece of meat, slapping it in my mouth. And uh, now my buddy's like, oh, dude, check this out. Look, I can... I can see my meat smoking from my phone. I can change the temperature right here. And I'm like, okay, I miss the yeah. days when we would sit next to the smoker for like eight hours straight, just hanging out and talking. But it, there's definitely something to be said about that. Like how good can technology get? Of, do I really want to be sitting inside watching TV while my thing's cooking outside? Or, yeah. I guess there's folks on either side of that, but. I kind of like the ease of just being able to click it to 250, 275 and, and let it run for a bit yeah. and have something pretty uniform every time I do it. Yeah, that's good. Um, it, I definitely would like to, to go back to some of that. I used to do a turkey every Thanksgiving, and if I had shot a deer before Thanksgiving, I would put the front shoulder underneath the turkey to catch all the drippings. Oh, nice. Oh, my Lance, that was good. I bet. That was, yeah, the bark on that stuff was crazy. That's a brilliant idea. I am going to have to try that because here in Missouri, you get like right now, I've got two turkey and two deer tags. And so maybe I'll just save a turkey and a deer for Thanksgiving and I'll be responsible for the meat. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. now I'm getting hungry, man. Yeah. Yeah, it gets me that way too. Um, that was something I had. I had thought about was um, turkey hunting is it's weird up here. Um, they're definitely moving up farther north, but I have not had wild turkey that I've enjoyed. It's yeah. always been too dry or just a weird flavor to it. Hmm. What what species do you have? Are they are they considered easterns? Is that the subspecies of turkey yeah. there? Yep. Yeah, we're just regular easterns. Okay. I don't know. I know almost nothing about turkeys. Like I know that I like to shoot them. Other than that, I don't know much. Um, and so I know like maybe the names of the subspecies, but I don't even know how to identify one versus the other. Yeah. I, I haven't done enough of it. I, my buddy Dawson definitely does a lot more than I do. And he usually will get a crack at one or two every year, but they're all over the back roads up here. They're yeah. just, coming north in a swarm um a lot of people up here hate them though because they think that they're bringing the ticks with them oh, okay i mean i'd think that the turkeys are eating just as many ticks as they have on them oh for sure yeah well i know that moose like when when you guys have shot moose i heard i think it was on meat eater they did uh there was a guy i think in maine doing a mortality study on moose and they were collecting the ticks off of the moose that were dead. And it was like thousands and thousands of ticks on each moose. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was insane this spring walking around and finding them. And the study that I had seen was 60 to 100,000 per moose. Oh, my gosh. You think about that in the number. You can walk by a moose and see a quarter-sized tick on it. It's easy. They're huge. They just sit there and suck on them till they're dead. And I want to say I probably saw 
10 or 12 dead carcasses this, this spring. Jeez. Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it, unfortunately, there had to be four or five of them that were young calf bulls. They had the little nub on top and that they just dead in the woods because of ticks. That's um, that's crazy to me to think like that a tick can take down an animal that I mean not a tick but sixty to a hundred thousand ticks, but it yeah. makes sense. I mean, when you lose that much blood, like your yep. organs are failing, your muscles are failing. Yeah, it's that, and we have a brain disease in the moose up here. So when you tag a moose at the station, um, at least what I've known for years, they'll reach up in the nose and they'll feel around for a hole. So the, the brain disease will eat a hole in the nose cavity or nearby, and they can tell within the nose. They'd also play a trick on kids sitting at the tagging station. They'd stuff a dollar bill up in the moose's nose. Here, feel around in there. <laughs> they pull out a dollar bill. That's so awesome. <laughs> it was one of those like traditional things they'd do up there. Yeah, that's cool. Man, it's, it's just cool to hear of a place that like – Moose hunting is a tradition. Most places, like, I just don't hear about moose hunting really anywhere around here. Like, the Midwest has hardly any. I know up in Wisconsin we have a fair amount of them. But, like, elk hunting's huge a lot of places, mule deer hunting, whitetail hunting. But outside of Alaska, there's probably not a lot of of states or a lot of even um, counties where moose hunting is a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, in Maine, it's it's been a thing as long as I've known. Where driving to school in the morning during October, you look over at Bishop's store and see if anybody was tagging one early. And coming out of school at two o'clock, eyes would be peeled to the window, like yep. moose at the tagging station. And driving around in the woods, like I remember senior year of high school driving around in the woods, calling in moose with friends, trying to find find where bulls are hanging out. You go into the woods with a, a wooden canoe paddle, rake it around, see if you can pull a bull out just to see him. That's so awesome. It, it is incredible. Driving to school one morning, I can remember it coming up over a big hill and see the cow come across the road. Then you see the probably 45, 50-inch bull right up onto the road, dips into the woods, smack my mom let me out, let me out. Yeah. And I walked up the road, my hands out to my sides and just whoosh, grunting up the road. And you can see the bull, like kind of look back what in the world. And he, his eyes just roll back in his head. He just starts swaying. And he walks like 10 yards out to the road. He just walks down the side of the road, sway in his head. Like, All right. Let me back in the truck. <laughs> Gosh. I got charged by a cow shed hunting and forever will respect the power they have. Oh yeah. Just like a bear, they can be silent if they want to. Yep. And it, it was probably 20 yards behind me and snapped a stick. And like that feeling, like kind of when it's dark out and you hear a stick snap where your stomach goes into your throat. Uh Oh, and I spun around and it was, I don't know, 15 yards closing with its hair, like in a mohawk on the back of its neck. Oh my gosh. All feet forward. And we have what we call moose maple up here. They grow in these little kind of sprigs where they all shoot out of one base. I just stood behind one, grabbed my camera, turned it on. It ran by me and I just held it like a football and went sprinting down the hill. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And as much as a rush it could be, I had a girl with me that wanted to learn how to shed hunt, and she radios me because he, she heard me yell at this thing. Yeah. What's going on? Are you all right? No, I just got charged by a moose. And her never seeing one. Really? Is there one up there? Can I come see it? No. No, do not. Don't, <laughs> don't, move. don't come back up here. <laughs> that and a week later got charged by a black bear. It it was a bluff charge at like 28, 25 yards, but it scared the hell out of me. 
gosh. Yeah, I it, haven't been charged by anything like that. I haven't been charged by anything ever, I don't think. But just seeing moose in person, I like we were we were walking up towards this cow when we were scouting for my buddy's hunt. And we were probably like 30, 40 yards away from it. And then all of a sudden I catch movement out of the right or to the right. And there's a calf underneath like the bough of a pine tree. And I was like, Sean, back up, back up, back up. And we just like backed up. And luckily there was no aggression. I don't even know if at that point she really, I don't know if she registered that we were there or that we were a threat or anything like that. But yeah, having, having an animal that could end your life with one like kick in the wild with nothing to protect yourself is a scary feeling. Absolutely. And after that bear charge, I asked my dad for a, uh, a Glock for my graduation present. I, I want something to carry with me. And so I got a Glock 19 and I think about it often of if I had had that pistol in those instances, would I have shot that moose? Yeah. Would I have shot that bear? And I think in both being where they were and the time that I had, I think the bear definitely would have been shot at at least like a tree or the ground right near me just to put something more than the tree next to me being shaken at the top of my lungs yelling it like on its hind legs was in the air, spun around and took off. That moose is like four feet away at the closest. And at what point do I do I say that I want to do that? I I don't think I could. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a tough call to make. I mean, yeah, there's very few instances of people actually getting attacked, but there's a lot of like the bluffs or you know, like you said, getting behind something and just kind of protecting yourself until it passes. Yeah, um, yeah, I would hate to be in that position to where you have to explain why you shot something. Yeah, I I don't want to be. And I think that that's, you've probably heard it too, the common misconceptions of hunters and just being so bloodthirsty oh, yeah. where it doesn't matter. And I don't know, probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, I had a buddy up from Southern Maine from Lewiston, Drew. He came up and shed hunting with me and it's full of greenery in the woods. You can barely see your feet we had a grand old time out shed hunting and we get out and we're looking in a mud puddle and we can see a moose sitting there. This ain't right. So we walk up, we're five feet away and we're thinking that it's a calf stuck in the mud, but it moves enough where you can tell it's got two broken legs. It's been hit by a car and somebody just, Nope, the moose is gone. I'm leaving. Jeez. As a police officer, if, I can tell and come to the conclusion that you left the scene of an accident or you injured that animal in a way and you just left it. I will charge you with everything I can. Yeah. There's absolutely no exception for it. For me on an off day, having to call the state police and then dispatch this calf on the side of the road, it was the absolute worst thing I had to do. Oh yeah. There's like, it's just something that nobody wants to do. No. Yeah. No, that'd be tough. That'd be a really tough part of the job. Well, hey, man, I, I hate to cut this short. We're already at an hour somehow. Every podcast I'm on, yeah, it just flies by. Um, but we definitely need to connect more uh, in the future, try to get a shed trip planned, or if you want to come down and shoot a different type of duck down here, you can you can come take all the gadwalls that we don't want to shoot. Yeah, um, say. Shoot um, one of the dumb ducks for you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, we'll have to stay connected and uh, plan something soon. Uh, but I appreciate you hopping on. Before I let you go, uh, why don't you share with everybody how they can find your stuff on YouTube, Instagram, all the different platforms? Yep. So on YouTube, the channel is called Beyond the Boundaries. And on Instagram, it is Ian McKendry underscore and McKendry being M-C-K-E-N-D-R-Y. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that one because I definitely had a good time chatting with Ian. I could have I talked about Maine and what all Maine has to offer 
for hours. I mean, the fact that they actually get out and track deer blows my mind. Like, they follow deer tracks, fresh deer tracks, until they catch up with the deer, and it may be multiple miles. So I'm going to have to get up there and try that, whether it's throwing on snowshoes or some cross-country skis in the winter after a good snowfall. Uh, I need to experience that at some point in my life as well as get up and find some moose sheds. To find a giant moose paddle would be a dream come true. I mean, he's finding like multiple dozens of them every year. I just need to go and find a couple. I'd be happy with one, like one big one. That sounds great. Um, But if you guys haven't already, please hop on, leave a review and a rating. That is a huge help to me. Uh, And I... I know I say it all the time, but maybe soon I'm going to do a giveaway for anybody who's actually gone on and left a review and a rating. Maybe a sticker or a first edition hat or t-shirt. Who knows? We'll make it happen soon, though. Um, If you guys aren't already out in the woods, you guys need to be out hunting. Fall is here. Animals are moving. The rut is kicking off in different parts of the country for different species here in Missouri. It's not going to be for probably about another month when we really start seeing rutting activity. But nonetheless, with this cold weather, the animals are moving more. They're becoming more daylight active. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.